Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Haven't seen y'all since last year. It's good. Get my dad joke out of the way. I made sure I got a lot of those. I was with my nieces and, or my niece, nieces, yes, and nephews over the, the holidays, over vacation. And you sure I made a lot of those jokes the next morning? I haven't showered since last year. <laughs> um, so it's great. It's great. It's the obligatory dad joke time of year. So it's great to have you. I hope you had an amazing holiday that it was filled with love and warmth. And even if perhaps it was a bit more challenging, I pray that you are filled with the hope of the Lord today for 2024 for what he wants to do in your life. How many know he's good? Tell somebody next to you he's good. <laughs> I want to kind of add my way and challenge you and charge you for a moment to join in on this fast. If you're like, heck no, that's not for me, I promise you this will not be a waste of your time. I promise you that this will be worth every moment. For me, I love it. It's like such a kind of, it sets the tone for the year. As I get to just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you prompting me? What are you asking me to lay down right now in the season? And then take the time to intentionally seek his face. It will not be a waste. You can do it for a week. You don't have to do the full three weeks. Although again, I promise you, if you go the full three weeks, that, that ain't going to be a waste of your time either. But to, to do something intentionally and costly this year. All right? All right, all right. And so that's what our series is all about. It's Seek First. And the title of today's message is The Heart of Seeking God. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Psalms 27. Somebody's excited about Psalms 27. All right. Guys, I'm excited about Psalms 27. As I was reading this, this chapter this week, preparing for today, I had originally only planned to use portions of the scripture, and I just was feasting on all of it. So we're going to read all of it. And I don't, what I want to ask of you today, and what I want to ask of us is that we don't just read the word, but we feast on the word. That as we go through line by line of the psalmist David, of the things that he's expressing, that we feast on every truth laid out here in the scripture. Man, it's so good. I'm telling you, I'm just like, I'm take the Bible and was going to eat it. It's so good. That's weird. I know. All right. Forget I said it. All right. Verse one, Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? All right. Sermon over. Go home. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Woo! Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Listen, we don't just need to read the word. Some of us, we need to declare the word over ourselves. Declare the truth of the word like... Oh, when I was, when I was young, when I was a teenager, I loved putting on movie soundtracks and listen, and like reading the Psalms, like legitimately. And I'd be in my bedroom. My parents are here, right here. They can attest to this. And I'd be blasting in my bedroom, like movie soundtracks. Do you got any movie soundtrack fans in the room? Movie scores. And I would be 
reading the Psalms out. You're... <laughs> Should I? <laughs> That's what happens when a pastor says the same thing two services. The sound guy remembers. All right, all right, all right. Start it up. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. All right, all right, you can cut it, you can cut it. <laughs> Movie soundtracks are perfect because they have ebbs and flows too, and then they come down and you're like, though an army besiege me. I love it, I love it. And this... This beautiful passage, Psalms 27, I love it. Like I said, I was just feasting on it as David the psalmist is declaring these things and we should trust David. Like David was a man of faith, right? He was not a man of shallow faith, but he was a man who was battle tested. And when he's saying, though an army besiege me, the war come against me, he literally knows what that means. Like he understands what that looks like. He might have even written this in the midst of one of those scenarios, in one of those situations. And he's saying this, he's declaring this, my heart will not fear. The war break against, break out against me, even then will I be confident. Hey, in verse four, he then says this, he says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Hey. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Amen. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing I ask from the Lord, it's worth reading again. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. We need to understand that this is, we can read this and we think, yeah, great prayer, David, but this is not, this is not the New Testament. This is not the new covenant when this was written. That David, like, the, Jesus had not come incarnate in flesh He'd not gone to the cross. The veil had not been, had not been torn. He'd not ascended into the, into the heavens and the spirit of God had not come and descended on all flesh, on all man. But yet David, even in the old covenant, had tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. He had caught a glimpse of the beauty of God and the one thing, the one desire, the, the overwhelming Emotion coming from his heart was this one thing have I asked, one thing have I, do I seek that I may gaze upon you. He's enamored, he is captivated by the Lord. And he carries on this theme of infatuation, describing the things that God will do for him and no doubt has already done for him. In verse five onward, he says this he says, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. 
Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I said in first, some of us need to sacrifice with shouts of joy this year. (laughs) It's a sacrifice at times. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. And your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I love this. And I remain confident of this. This is closing thoughts, all right? I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of God. I love this. I love this psalm. There's so many incredible truths. There's so many beautiful gold nuggets like we can pull out of this. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, speak that over your 2024. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. This psalm is filled with such passion and such like intensity, yet such a sweetness and such like a beauty and passion for the Lord. Even as David is expressing all the things that God has done for him, and it, this this purveying feeling of his heart is saying, it's like he's as if he's saying, "My heart is saying, my heart is speaking, my heart is overflowing with this with this truth, with this reality, with this emotion and feeling that I must seek His face." And you know what? That was just what I do. What I'll do. It's the very thing that I long for. That's the very thing. I want nothing else than to do that thing and seek his face. You see, David was a man who, who had experienced the goodness of the Lord, and he knew that he was ruined for anything else, even in the old covenant. Like, he would never be the same. Because just a glimpse of him is enough to dull every counterfeit beauty that this world has to offer. Just a moment with Jesus, recognizing the price that he paid, recognizing the beauty of the Savior is enough to dull every so-called pleasure that this world has to offer. The flavor of the week that's being offered culturally isn't going to cut it. It's just not. Y'all remember that iconic Capital One commercial with Samuel L. Jackson? It's like, what's in your wallet? I want to ask you a little, short little question today. What is your appetite in? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? 
What do you crave more than anything? Is, it, is your appetite in the things of this world? Is it in a smorgasbord? It's a hard word to say when you're preaching. I did it. I did it. Is it in a smorgasbord of social media, excessive eating, lust, any various form of escapism, alcohol, or is it in something that maybe seems a little less serious, getting lost in a good book, hanging out with friends all the time? And I want to be clear this morning, I'm not coming for any one thing, but what I am saying is are there things in 2023 that we're getting in the way of our heartfelt relationship with the Lord that we can no longer afford to allow in 2024. I believe the Lord is speaking to us today and he's just saying, come a little closer. Come a little closer. Like that is continuously his invitation to us. Come a little closer. And that this year, like... You know, we said it as we do this fast is a beautiful season of just reset with the Lord, of coming before him, resetting, coming into that inner place of intimacy with him and putting him first as our one desire and our one object of affection. Are you with me? Yes. <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew six twenty two, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's like Jesus preaching right to us, me included. It's like he knew what he was doing when he created the word of God, right? If then the light is in you, is, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one, say no one, can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is laying out this incredibly powerful truth here. He's saying no one can serve two masters. And make no mistake, this isn't a picture of like somebody trying to work two jobs and have two bosses. He isn't saying that somehow your life is imbalanced. He is giving the imagery of a master and slave relationship. And he is saying and laying out that it is physically impossible for a slave to serve two masters. Ancient Israel tried it. They tried to worship the Lord their God and they tried to worship the idols of Baal. And every time that they worship those idols, the Lord would remind them that to worship the idols, to worship the false god, gods, was to turn their back on the Lord. We are deceived if we think we can have two masters. To be loyal to one was to despise the other. And just so we have a New Testament reference for this as well, Paul said this in Romans 6 verse 15. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. 
You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Come on, tell somebody you are a slave to righteousness. Tell them you're not a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness. Many years ago, I heard this message from Supraza. One of Heidi and Roland Baker's spiritual sons, a leader in Iris Ministries, he was here at a conference, and he preached this incredible message I'll never forget. And he used this allegory of how hyenas hunt their prey. You know, when a, when a preacher uses a good story, you always remember it, right? So I'm going to give you that story. <laughs> and he's sharing the story of how these hyenas, how they would hunt. They would, they would find a pack, and they would single out an animal in the pack that they wanted to hunt and kill. And they would come up to that pack, come up beside that pack, and they would begin to pull, nibble at the ear of the animal. So the pack's running, but they would just run beside the pack and begin to pull at the ear of, the, of their prey. And little by little, at first, what didn't seem like a big deal, the animal, the prey, before they knew it, was slowly drifting and drifting and drifting from the pack until they were isolated. And then the pack of hyenas would pounce and kill their prey. And he preached this message reminding us that there is a very real world that doesn't know him, that knows not what they do. It's not their fault being, in dece- being deceived. The nature of deception is that you are literally deceived. But they, they don't know Jesus. They don't know him, the fallen world and the enemy that wants to slowly pull at your ear and to separate you from him, to separate you from the bride. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go to church. You, you, you're fine. You don't have to be commune with other believers. I'm not even just saying the church as a building. I'm not talking about Catch the Fire Raleigh. We are the church. You don't have to be with those believers. You don't have to be with that body. You don't have to do those things. And little by little, we've drifted and drifted and drifted until we're good old, we're good old Southerners. And we love to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church but we have no relationship or intimacy with Jesus. And I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm just saying that to to make a point, okay? A marriage without intimacy and friendship and relationship is just a contract. It's just a piece of paper. There's so much more for us. There's so much more for us. And he's inviting us. And I believe it's time to sober up. And like, I'm preaching to the choir, okay? Don't think I'm up here trying to tell all y'all. Like, I'm reading this too, and I'm like, yep, Lord, I see areas in my life in which I can make some adjustments. Because the Lord is kind, and he's loving, and he's patient, and he's good. We're going to get into that in a moment. But he is also jealous for you. He is jealous for your affections. He is jealous for your time. He is crazy about you. And even if you're tired and you're weary and you're like, I don't even know where to start, his invitation has remained the same. Come to me, all you who are heavy, burdened, and weary, and I will give you rest. If your desires and your appetite have been all out of sorts, nothing will reset and transform your appetite like gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. Like seeking his presence. 
it's time to reset. <laughs> and if you're sitting here and you're like, why would I need to seek him? Isn't he already here? Isn't he already present? To that, I would say yes and no. I would say yes in that he is here. He is omnipresent. He is ever with him. His spirit goes with you. And yes, in the sense of his covenant commitment to us in Matthew 28, 20, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But there yet remains this invitational language in the scripture to seek him, to seek his kingdom, to seek his face. Psalms 105 verse 4 says, seek the Lord, seek his presence continually. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who do what? Who diligently seek him. Diligent seeking, that should be the goal for 2024 for us. And whilst the Lord is present and he's here and he's in our midst and he's speaking, we are not always clued in. We're not always listening. We're not always looking or seeking. As Bill Johnson would say, he's always speaking, but sometimes we're just not tuned into the right frequency. If you don't know what a radio is, ask your parents. <clears throat> we're getting to that, that generational gap of technology. If we're not careful, we become complacent or neglectful, and we give either no or little thought of him, and almost unknowingly, our perceived value and awe in him becomes diminished. And no matter where you are today, whether you're like, I'm good, me and God, we, we're tight, like, no big deal, pastor. <laughs> or whether this in some way in your life, in your heart is speaking to you, I have good news for you. He is intensely committed to you. He is intensely committed to you. This is the thing that has like amazed me year after year after year. It, like from the moment I received Christ when I was like in grade four at a little Baptist childcare, like ch children's ministry. This is the thing. Like when we go around Thanksgiving and it's like, what are you grateful for the Lord? That he still loves me. Like, despite my ability, despite my talent for screwing up, he is so intensely committed to me. His love does not grow weary. It does not grow faint. He doesn't grow impatient with me. He doesn't roll his eyes when I walk in the room. He will always be that prodigal father with open arms. And when I realize a part of my life and a part of myself has become numb and I turn and I run to him every time, he is embracing me and he is kissing me profusely and he's acknowledging me and he's placing a robe of authority on me. It's like every time. Every time I was thinking about this love and I was thinking about the biblical definition of love. And I'm going to read you. I'm going to paraphrase 1 Corinthians 13 for you. Love, the biblical definition of love keeps no record of wrongs. It's patient. It is kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor or seek for itself. It's not easily angered. Thank you, Lord. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. 
So if God is love, this is what you can expect. This is the direct character and nature of the one we love that you can expect. If he is the literal embodiment of love, when you turn back to him, you can expect the full weight of love personified. Of this kind of love, of this kind of commitment. This is the extraordinary, lavish love of God. And it happens, doesn't it? Our flesh, our fickleness, our human nature can get in the way. I mean, speaking for myself, like, Sometimes, like, life is like Groundhog, Groundhog Day, like the movie. And you get up, and you change my youngest poopy diaper, and then I go downstairs, and I get four kids, like, breakfast, and then I'm out the door, and I'm at carpool, and then I'm in traffic, and then I'm working. And you, before you know it, you can, you can begin to just kind of grumble about life. Is that only me, or is that anyone else in the room? Okay? Y'all are looking at me like, well, that's you, but... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And something I'm committed to this year, and this is going to make me accountable to you, which is scary, but is like something I've actually talked with the Lord about wanting to do is to wake up and choose thankfulness. Like during this fast, I want to get up and I don't want to, like I want to actively choose to say something that I'm thankful for. Rather than rolling out of bed and like, here we go again. <laughs> like I actually want to be like, get up and be like, I am alive. And you are with me. Like, I still remember that Benny Hinn book they, they had us read at Bethel in our first year of school ministry, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Like, Lord, let me start my day by saying good morning. The counterfeits, the counterfeit comforts and, comforts and pleasures of this world will never satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. We were made for the beauty of Christ and his manifest presence. One of my all-time favorite passages is found in Philippians 3. It was the first message I ever got asked to preach. We were in Mozambique. I was at an iris base. I was a teenager. And we were on our way to a small group. And as we're on the way to the small group, they said, hey, do one of you want to preach? And like, mind you, we're, we're literally like minutes away, like a minute or two away. I'm a teenager. I've never preached a message really before. And my friend was newly saved, and I knew there was no way that he was going to do it. And so I was like, I'll do it. And so I go, and I just saw the faithfulness of the Lord, even at a young age. As I'm walking to this, this small group, the Lord says to me, Philippians 3, verse 7. And I opened my word, I opened the Bible, and this is what I read. This is the, the words of Paul. I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. 
Paul's saying, listen, all the things that I thought meant something, all my accomplishments, all my accolades, all the things that I used to wear as a badge of honor, like compared with him, compared with Jesus, when we look upon him, when we look upon what he did, when we look upon the price of the cross, and not only did he die for our sins, but he then adopted us into his family so that we could ever forever be a part of the family of God and ha- live in eternity with him. When I think upon that comparison, everything is worthless. It's garbage. It's nothing. He's the most valuable thing. He is the most valuable thing. Jesus puts it like this in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, say in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had bought, that he had and bought it. In both instances, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is of such value if you could only see it's worth giving everything for. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of possessions. There's no amount of things. There's no amount of relationships. There's no amount of fame. There's no amount of club. There's like nothing can compare Thanks, Antoine. But the enemy knows he most likely, he can't, he can't get you to walk away, but he can, he can make you distracted. He can make you forgetful. The word of God says, forget not his benefits. Why? Because like the pulling of that ear, little by little, it just seems like a distant memory. We don't practice thanksgiving. We don't think upon, we don't meditate upon the goodness of the Lord, what he's done for us. And all of a sudden, we've become forgetful. And before you know, we're picking up distractions. And it's been made easier than ever before. And we're going down the rabbit holes for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's like, why, like again, I believe, in, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know. We don't really... We don't really hang out anymore. If he can get you distracted, if he can make you forgetful, he'll have you just where you want. He'll have you just where he wants you. So let us truly seek the Lord this year. Intimately, and make the mental effort and conscious choice to set our hearts and minds upon him. Amen? John Piper said this about seeking the Lord. He said, the heavens are telling the glory of God so we can seek him through that. He reveals himself in his word, so we can seek him through that. He shows himself to us in the evidence of grace in other people, so we can seek him through that. The seeking is the conscious effort to get through the natural means to God himself, to constantly set our minds toward God in all our experiences, to direct our minds and hearts towards him, through means of his revelation. This is what seeking God means. Seeking God can mean taking the time to to hear his voice, not just talk at him, but listen to him, to pray, to read our word, to worship and adore him, to find him in the little things in the day-to-day, 
It can look like serving the least of these, the poor and the widow. That's in the scripture. It can look like practicing gratitude when we see something beautiful. Our kids will say to us when we see a sunset, look at that sunset God painted for us. Because we're like actively trying to, to help them practice. And this is his promise to you, everybody. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Listen, he doesn't leave you unread. He doesn't leave you embarrassed, like, why did I even bother? Why did I reach out? It doesn't say, ask, and it might. Knock, and it might. Seek and it might. It says, ask and it will. Seek and you will. Knock and it will. Because he is for you. This is his promise. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) And that's okay. I got good news for you. It's his righteousness in you that you can't even love him without him. That it's by his spirit you are even able to love him. I used to love praying the prayer, Lord, help me want to want you more. Lord, like, help me be so crazy about you, passionately in love with you. He's not promising just a better version of you. He's not prom- promising to improve you. No, he's, he's killing the old you. <laughs> and making something new. <laughs> yeah. So, Lord, kill us. Kill our old flesh. Kill our old man. In a moment, we're going to take... A little time and just pray that he gives us a passion for his word, a passion for prayer, a passion for worship, a passion for listening to his voice like we've never seen before this year. We're asking him to reset our appetites. Amen. It's a sometimes challenging word and a sobering word, but I believe the Lord is inviting us. He's inviting his bride into that place of holiness and reverence for him. And again, I'm speaking to the choir here. The things that we've kind of let slide, we would no longer this year, that as as the years go on and we get closer to Jesus' coming, it's going to become more and more uncomfortable to try and toe the line, everybody. Keep one foot on one side and one foot on the other side. He doesn't want a lukewarm bride. He wants a hot, loving bride. And I mean hot in the passion sense. But also, I guess, beautiful. Like, yeah, nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Would you stand with me? Love for us just to take a moment. To remove distractions, to not worry about the person on our left or our right, or for just a moment longer. And just ask the Lord a simple question. Actually, first, just invite Him if you haven't yet today. And just say, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come. Come and fill me today. I 
And then take a second and ask him, Lord, what does it look like for me to intentionally seek you this year? What does it look like for me to intentionally seek you this year? And just listen. Allow him to speak to you. What tangible shifts could I make in my life with, with my intention with you, Lord? Guide us, lead us, Holy Spirit, right now. Guide us into all truth. Speak to your bride. Maybe it's something that you know you need to give up. That has seriously gotten in the way. And you're like, you know what? I wasn't planning on participating this fast, but I feel, I feel the, the hand of the Lord on this. I need to. There's something I need to give up that's come before the Lord. Just lay that before him if that's you. Just ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me a genuine longing for you? Would you give me a genuine heart after you? And Lord, I ask that you would breathe on any places of our hearts that have become numb. The ways in which we might feel weak or our flame is diminished. You are good and kind. Would you just breathe your breath anew in our lungs? As I was pondering this morning with the Lord, I felt the Lord just encourage me, encouraging me to take a moment and invite us just into a place of an act of faith that if you want to consecrate this year before the Lord, and say, you know what, Lord, 2024, I'm all in. I choose you, Jesus, above everything, above all the noise, above all the distraction, above all the, the things that got in the way. And you want to consecrate this year to the Lord, I'm going to invite you to be brave and just do something, to get out of your seats and to come forward. And this is simply an object of your faith. Sometimes we need our bodies to follow to move in submission to the Lord. To say, Lord, I'm all in. I consecrate myself this year to you.
And I'm going to ask our ministry team to go around and pray. And I feel that the Lord wants to release a fresh baptism of fire. So ministry team, if you could just begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to hover and release the fire of God. And as you're waiting, just do business with the Lord. If you need to repent for something that you've allowed before him, if you need to repent of idols, just lay it before the Lord right now in this place. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.